You are listening to the High Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Meredith Wadsworth. From understanding your lifestyle choices to your limiting beliefs, living your best life starts with honoring yourself every day. It is my hope to fill each episode with information and inspiration to guide you towards living your own intuitive, intentional, and fulfilling high life. everyone and welcome to today's show that I am so psyched to share with you. Today we have an incredible guest. Her name is Jill Sheridan. She is a biology teacher, a researcher, mother of four, and the founder of Miss Fresh Organics. I had the pleasure of meeting Jill not so long ago at a Christmas market in Boston and I was not expecting to go to a Christmas market and find a podcast interviewee, (laughs) Um, but it's not the first time that it's happened. Um, so I love, I love the spontaneity of those kinds of things and just never knowing who I'm going to meet each day. But this is a perfect example of what can happen when you just keep your mind open to opportunities. Um, so I was at this Christmas market and I, my eye was caught by this desk, um, this table that had all these homemade organic products, um, for skin and home and, the founder was there, Jill, and we just started talking and I so loved everything that she was about and that she was super crafty and DIY and just built this amazing company out of her own garage, her own home, um, after formulating different products for her children. Um, and I just knew that she had to come on the show and talk about what she does because she not only is creating incredible products, but She's helping to spread the word for her community on how people can incorporate non-toxic living into their lifestyles and routines and making um, at-home swaps and DIY and all of that. And I just loved her message. Um, So she agreed to come on the show. And I'm so excited to share our conversation because we covered everything from the chemicals and ingredients that you should be looking out for to the ones that you definitely want to be incorporating to what the industry is going through in terms of regulation and what's not being regulated and whether it should be or shouldn't be. There's a big debate going on there. We also get into some of the nitty gritty on the impact of using toxic products um, in your skincare routine, in your home care routine, how it can impact your health, your pet's health, your kid's health, everything. So today's show is not to be missed. Take notes. Um, everything that we talk about in terms of products can be found in the show notes at msfreshorganics.com. It's Miss Fresh Organics, but it's spelled out MS Fresh Organics. Um, so definitely check that out. Give her a follow and definitely, definitely recommend getting these products. You'll hear about my favorite one shortly. So without further ado, let's dive in. I just, I, um, am beginning to understand the world of, um, toxins and that kind of thing and where they're hiding and all of that. And while I don't know a lot of the scientific facts behind it, everything I know generally, like, mm. you know, I basically I kind of know if you can't pronounce it, don't buy it or don't ingest it or don't put it on your skin. It's, yeah. So, it's out there. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what, I'll tell you when I first started learning about this stuff, um, even though I have my, uh, you know, my degrees in biology, but, um, this isn't stuff I learned in school. Most of it is independent research and I do have the background in bio, but most of what I know, I've just kind of over the past decade have been researching and just kind of figuring things out as I go. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, uh, it's, and there's a wealth of knowledge. There's so many people right now who are bringing awareness to the problem. And, um, you know, just, I think when I first started out doing this, I think a lot of people kind of thought it was a little, you know, maybe like overreactive or (laughs) maybe a little bit crazy, but now nobody thinks that anymore. Now people are aware, you know, mm-hmm. a growing amount of young parents mm-hmm. and even people, um, you know, my parents' generation. Um, I really see in the truth around to- product toxicity. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always going to so, happen. Which is anybody, a good thing. anybody who's challenging the status quo, right, is going to get a little bit of backlash at first. People are going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, we've been doing things this way that, for ages. So like, why, oh God, yeah. why do anything differently now? And um, then suddenly, you know, it takes it takes those few those few people to really shift things until it becomes mainstream. But then it's like, see, told you so. And I know, and you hate to say I told you so because it's I know. important. But you there do. are a lot you of you know, yeah. there are parallels between this movement and um, you know the movement to end big tobacco and you know the knowledge first came out that tobacco caused cancer there was a huge pushback from industry you know they hired doctors to come out and when you look at some of the advertisements and magazines from the 1950s there's like a you know a doctor and he's in his white coat and you know camels make my throat feels you know soothe their sore throat and stuff that kind of stuff and uh it's shocking now for us to look at that and i feel like we might look back on the stuff that we're kind of just slathering all over our bodies in that same, with that same uh, benefit of hindsight, like, holy crap, we used that stuff. I know. It's one of those so things you can't So I do unsee. think we are, in, exactly. Um, and I do think we are, you know, headed for a paradigm shift with it. There was yeah. definitely a lot of big shifts with, um, around product toxicity, but, um, and, you know, with products, not just cosmetics, but also, gosh, everything, candles, cleaners, paint i mean flame resistant pajamas i mean we've all seen the documentaries i think well maybe not everyone i'm sort of hyper focused zoned in on this stuff so sometimes i assume it's common knowledge but i guess not everybody makes this their life's work (laughs) so i know my job is to spread awareness i I totally i totally know the feeling it's you know just being in the realm of, of health and wellness that i guess now is it's really booming but for a while i mean i've been so immersed in it myself that I would start talking about these things and then people would be like, wait, what do you mean? Or like explain that further. And I'm like, you don't, you don't know. And it's just like one thing after another that I'm like, it's so, it just comes so naturally to you that you assume that people also know about it, but we're in this bubble. Um, but uh, that's why yeah, I'm so and excited. Yeah, it's not always common knowledge, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's why I'm so excited to have you on and really share your bubble of knowledge with all of us so that we can expand our bubbles. So Jill, could you just sort of give us a background story on how MS, is it Ms. Fresh Organics or MS Fresh so, Organics? <laughs> it's actually Ms. Fresh Organics. Okay, that's what I thought. It's kind of, yeah. So I originally wanted to call it Miss Fresh, but then uh, that was already taken by somebody of the food company somewhere. Um, uh-huh. So I decided I would go to Ms. Fresh, but then when I did my website, I didn't want to put a period in the URL. So I did Ms. Fre- Miss Fresh Organics. So then everybody thinks it's MS fresh. And I'm like, but it's never mind. Right. <laughs> like, my it. initials are JS. So if I was going to do that, I should have just called JS fresh. But when I was a little girl, my grandmother would always call me little miss fresh because I was always getting in trouble and doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. So it was kind of like, a, you know, we try to, we, every 
I guess company name has a little bit of an origin story. So, uh-huh. <laughs> but it is Ms. Fresh anyway, long story short. Cool. Um, and how did it come to be exactly? Give us your background. Well, and, yeah. Yeah, sure. So when my son is now 15, talk a little bit about me first. I have four kids. So um, their ages are 21 and then my youngest is 10. So my 15-year-old, uh, when he was a baby, uh, had eczema. So it was head to toe. I mean, he would get scratched till you bleed. It was terrible. So we had steroid cream prescribed, um, which we used um, varying levels of success. In the end, it ended up making it worse, and he broke out from that. So all the products that doctors recommended, and you know, I have to kind of be careful with product names, but if you have a child with eczema or anybody, you know the um, industry recommendations. A lot of them are petroleum-based. Um, a lot of them have alcohols in them. So all of them made his eczema worse. Mm-hmm. So I started sort of, um, I already already made all my own scrubs and all my own cleaners, but this became a, a real need. So in our family, I um, started playing around with ingredients and did some research and came up with what is now body butter. And it's still the only thing 15 years later that his skin can tolerate. Um, wow. So that was the very first product and it's just um basic ingredients it's raw cocoa butter raw shea butter sweet almond oil jojoba oil some vitamin e to preserve and that's it that's that was the magic for him that was the formula and it works and uh you know anybody i know who's who um since has suffered with eczema psoriasis i give them that it works i stand by it i swear by it and uh that kind of started um my uh, research into ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I didn't start Ms. Fresh until my kids were a little bit older. So even though I've been making my own products and kind of formulating for years, I didn't start the business end of it until 2017. Um, I have a, my daughter is only 10. So it's not something I recommend, um, having a full-time <laughs> job and yeah. trying to start a business at the same time with young children, but my children are old enough. They actually actually help out with the business, do some labeling and stuff for me. So, Aww, you know, it really is a family kind of a effort. Yeah, it is. And it's important that they know. So, you know, I started based on my son's needs, we needed something that worked. So, you know, mother, obviously, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So I wanted that to, I wanted something that worked for him, but then that led me into my research on ingredients in general. So then I became kind of aware of all the chemicals that we were using. Uh-huh. We just started to talk about carcinogens, hormone disruptors, pesticides, um, all these toxic ingredients that um, are causing, I think, a lot of the skin issues that everybody has, a lot of the autoimmune, allergies, as yeah. all these things are on the rise yeah. as we become you know, more educated as a, as a society. Um, we're still using these things. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I think the paradigm shift that we need to address. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's crucial, especially when language these days is being tossed around, like using detoxes and, um, cleanses and things like that. And people not really fully understanding what that means and that just Mm. drinking juice for a few days a week is not really going to help. Um, and what detoxing really involves is changing the things that you're 
that are, you know, putting toxins in your body in the first place. It's not just about removing them. It's about making sure that you're eliminating what's causing the root, the root of the problem. Um, and that starts, with, that starts with what you're using on a daily basis in your home, on your skin, um, all of that. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And it's what intrigued me so much when I, I ran into you at the Christmas market of all things. Um, so <laughs> it's so funny. And, um, you had a, several different products there at first ranging from, I think some, some home goods as well as um, your body butter and what I've been using. It's the, the anti-aging, like, is it rewind balm or something? Renew balm? It is. Yes. Um, <laughs> anti-aging rewind balm. Yes. And I also got your magnesium salt scrub and, I love that as well, but your rewind balm is unreal. And I don't say that about a lot of products. Like I have tried so many different things and I had kind of whittled things down to some of my go-tos. But when I say that, like, this is a tried and true, um, moisturizer that I've been using, it's so much more than a moisturizer, but for both morning and night and that my skin for the past two weeks, that I've been using it has never been better or like plumper That's so or great just to hear. like my complexion, just like even flare ups that I'd had, like recurring in the same spot is like completely going away. Like it's amazing and it smells good. And I just love how natural it is. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> first of all, that's so great to hear. That's a tough one to say. <laughs> thank you for giving it a shot because you know, there's so many products that people could try and I'm a small business. It's just, Myself and my assistant over here, you know, whipping up our little stuff in our lab, our little jars. And my friend calls it my lotions and potions. But we're like, no, this is actually, you know, there is research here. And we did research, especially with the anti-aging, what we wanted to put into it. And, um, you know, I just appreciate people giving it a shot because it's it's really hard to get people to try something new on their faces. We ever, yeah. You know, everyone has a go-to that they like. Sure. Um, but when I get people to use the anti-aging rewind, they stick with it. It's a good one. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. I mean, what's not to like for me, honestly, even like, and the price is beyond right too. Like it was, I, it, you know, is worth itself three times over. So, um, very, very excited to be a loyal consumer of that. Um, so what all, what all is in that balm exactly? So, um, the base of it is, um, shea butter. So shea butter is really, um, it's actually a wax really rich in vitamins A, E, and F. So those are really good for um, collagen production. They kind of plump up the cells. They make you look younger. So it does have an SPF as well. So um, a couple of the ingredients has, yep, shea butter has an SPF of about six. So that's kind of nice. The rosehip seed oil is really, really what brings, I always say that brings the magic. Um, It just, it restores damage, like if you have skin and scar tissue, the rosehip seed oil, um, because of the retinoic acid in it and vitamin C, Mm -hmm. it's going to nourish that and promote healing. So, um, women, I know, I know a woman whose um, husband had scalp psoriasis from radiation and chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. and she put the anti-aging on it it healed for the first time she said in, in over a year. So, um, and I credit the rosehip seed oil with that because it really does help with, um, with just regeneration of the cells. Um, and it's also good for rosacea too. It kind of calms any kind of redness and evens out the pomegranate seed oil, um, is anti-inflammatory. It's antibacterial, it's anti-aging that too 
has SPF properties and it smooths out those, um, you know, fine lines and wrinkles we get around our eyes. Yeah. Um, so we have that carrot seed oil is also in very small amounts of this. It's like a 1% concentration that has, um, vitamins A, C is very hydrating. And that has SPF too, um, right? It does have SPF. I think that SPF of carrot seed, I believe is, um, I think it's six for that as well. But the bat, uh, beta carotene and carotenoids protect your skin from uh, environmental stresses. So you know, wherever we travel, wherever we end up, there's whatever's in the environment. There's the water we wash our face with, the air that we breathe. You know, the, all that affects our skins. Yeah. Um, then we have the oils in it, sweet almond oil, jojoba oil, you have shea butter, cocoa butter. So they're just um, really hydrating. They lighten age spots. They soften. They just... It's just a beautiful blend. Um, it has no fragrance in it. The fragrance is my big number one. Do not use. So, oh, my dog just walked in. Hi, Boomer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the ingredients are just really nourishing. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's not rocket science. It's chemistry, a little bit of chemistry. I do use hyaluronic acid in that as well, mm-hmm. which also helps with kind of um, collagen stimulation. I mean, nothing, if you have an anti-age product and they say, Oh, it's going to promote collagen production, or it's going to make you your body produce collagen. Well, it isn't. I mean, that's not something that um, a synthetic product can actually do um, yeah. topically. But it, it does help restore. I mean, your skin is your largest organ, so it is going to help restore damaged tissue, damaged cells. So um, the anti aging kind of brings all that. It's a really, really nice all purpose. I even use it um, to take off my eye makeup at night. Yeah, uh, I'm not a big makeup person, but I'll wear a little bit of mascara. So I swipe it across my eyes, a little pea size amount, and then I tissue off the mascara and then rub the excess in. And it is just lovely. It yeah, is. So it is. And that's the thing too. a good one to try. A little, a little goes such a long way, I've noticed, which is just even better. Just icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's, you know, I like a, pr- a product that's multi-use, multi-purpose, yeah. kind of universal unisex. I mean, my husband uses it. Um, so, you know, men need skincare too. They get, yeah. <laughs> they're all fighting the same battle. And I don't, uh, lately too, I've been thinking about the term anti-aging. Um, you know, as a woman, I'm 43 years old. Uh, I think about um, growing older and seeing signs of aging. And I almost think like, we don't necessarily want to call it anti-aging. Like we want to age gracefully. We want to be healthy. Yeah. But, I don't necessarily want to be 20 again either. So I kind of struggle with that. You know, my labels are printed now. So that'll be the name for a little while. But I'm thinking about um, changing the name just yeah. um, based on, you know, just the idea that, we, you know, we're not trying not to age. We're just trying to age in the healthiest way possible. Sure. Totally. And yeah, that's the beautiful thing too, is that you can always change. There's no one saying that you can't. So if you find something that rings more true to what you think, the product brings to people, then amazing. But um, for now, I love it regardless and will continue to preach its wonders. Um, But I'd love to ask, first of all, how did you figure out in terms of like creating the recipes themselves, like the amounts to use of certain things? Like how did you just get tinkering with that? Or is that literally just what you did? You just played around until something worked? Honestly, it was um, some trial and error. there's, I researched ingredients first. Um, and on the internet, there is, you know, literally everything (laughs) you can find good information. Um, so 
first I researched ingredients, but then like any good recipe, it is trial and error. So luckily I had family and friends who were <laughs> open to being my guinea pigs when I first started out. And I would just try things, see what worked on myself. And I have very sensitive Irish skin thing you can think of. So my children and myself, friends and family, we would just try things out. And, you know, I had the benefit of doing this as sort of a, a hobby, as an interest for almost 10 years before I started the business end of it. So I had already worked out what was working, what didn't work, you know, yep. um, my magnesium salt scrub. I used to use a sugar um, until, I mean, sugar will breed bacteria and I didn't want to start using preservatives or anything that was going to, you know, <laughs> typically your preservatives are pyrimidines and phthalates. So I didn't want to start adding things like that, but sugar and water will breed bacteria like no one's business. So yeah. um, stop using sugar in any kind of scrubs because if you use sugar, you also have to add in some of the stuff you're trying to eliminate in the first place. So um, a lot of trial and error, um, but you know, finding good companies. I source from um, all my ingredients from a USDA certified organic company in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I, we know where it's coming from. You can actually go to the farm you can see all the products, That's um, cool. everything that they grow and produce there. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah, it's Mountain Rose Herb and I uh, forget the name of the city, but it's, it's in Oregon. Um, so we're road tripping next summer. We're going to pay them a visit. Oh, amazing. But you can, yeah, you can order online. And, you know, with essential oils too, a lot of people are using them. Some people are misusing them. Very powerful little plant derivatives. So, um, you have to be careful not to overuse them. You have to know which ones are have safe and for humans, for animals, know what you're using. A lot of people use my products on their animals. Um, like if you have a dog that has hot spots, body butter is going to take care of it. So mm. it's really kind of, it's wow. kind of hysterical how many people email me the ways that they're using stuff. So, yeah. um, but it does work. So um, that's great. So diverse. Well, Yeah, that's kind of the whole idea is just keep things universal, keep it unisex. You know, I know um, with ingredients, um, there are a lot of um, brands now that you'll see at Target, at Walmart, places like that, that, um, you know, it's natural, it says organic. When you read the label and you really do have to know your labels because it can say all natural ingredients, but um, they still allow so many things that actually are not natural. Yeah. Or they're... Yeah, could you dive into that a little bit? Natural, but you shouldn't be putting it to your body. So fragrance being number one. Fragrance. Oh, gosh, yeah. Fragrance can contain, oh, just if it says perfume, fragrance, perfume, anything like that, um, it's going to have, it could contain 3,000 chemicals. It's in almost every single personal care product, um, and they don't, they're not required to disclose the list of ingredients on the label because they're trade secrets. So it's a trade secret, and that's kind of how they get around the law on that. Mm. So the cosmetics industry in general isn't very uh, well regulated. The laws around it haven't been updated since the 1930s, I believe it was 1938. Wow. Um, so the FDA um, has some oversight, but it's just not the infrastructure of law to really support that. So there are some bills um, that are being kind of circulated around Congress now. One of them is led by, oh gosh, I think it's Barbara Boxer. I could be wrong about that. Oh, Feinstein. It's Diane Feinstein and Sue Collins who are trying to um, 
they're trying to push for Personal Care Product Safety Act. So that's, I'm not actually, haven't kept current on the status of how the legislation is going and what they're doing, but um, that was first proposed in 2015. But um, as far as I know, nothing has been uh, changed significantly. Wow. So that's part of the problem. It is kind of crazy when you think about it um, because, um, I mean, our food supply too is, and I think the two things kind of go hand in hand um, because I think a lot of um, product toxicity, we first became aware of it um, with documentaries like Food Inc. and um, Forks Over Knives. And I think we've, I think, again, one of those things where I I assume everybody has seen those, but maybe not. But, you know, they talk about, um, toxic ingredients, pesticides, hormones, steroids in our food supply. Yeah. So it does regulate the food industry. They do have oversight. Um, and same thing with pharmaceuticals. So I hesitate to ask for more regulation from the FDA because I do feel like they're not doing such a bang up job with what they're already entrusted to regulate. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, conflict of interest. You know, there's a startling number of people who go from industry to government and back again. Um, yeah. you know, they work as attorneys for food companies, like large um, factory farms, and then they go into government. So, you know, government in some ways can be dominated by industry too, by yeah. the industries that they're supposed to regulate. So there's dozens of examples of that, you know, Harvard did a, um, a big sort of expose, a professor, I believe his name was, uh, Donald Light, he wrote in the Journal of Law and Medicine and Ethic, um, a Harvard publication. A, like something like ninety percent of in the past thirty years are um, have almost no um, effect or benefit to the patients. So they take sort of a systematic and quantitative approach to their studies, um, and it's very well respected. So and it's from Harvard University. Um, and so, I mean, I know that's pharmaceuticals and that's more pharmaceutical food industry problem, but um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I do hesitate to ask for more regulations because I feel like it's going to put people uh, like myself and most of the good organic companies are small businesses. I feel like it may end up over-regulating, overburdening, overtaxing um, people who are actually um, sourcing good ingredients and making healthy products. So it's a kind of a double-edged sword. I do feel like people, there should be more responsibility, but I'm not sure that um, I want the FDA involved for those reasons. If that makes sense, does that seem does that seem far-fetched? No, I think of it, you it. bring up such an amazing point, and I'm so glad you kind of went off on like that little tangent because it's so true. Whether it's in pharmaceuticals or whether it's in the food industry or whether it's in the cosmetics or anything when the government gets involved, it's almost, it, it creates such a slippery slope because I think having like their stamp of approval or something regulated in people's minds automatically makes them think that, oh, this is safe. This is safe to consume. It's safe to put on my body because the government's involved and the government has my best interest at hand when that's Mm. not always the case. And oftentimes you have to look deeper and see who is actually behind these regulations. Um, and like you said, oftentimes, you know, big industry is backed by people who really don't have our best interest in hand. Um, and I think 
it's, I think we're entering into a place now where people are recognizing more and more. So I hope, I hope this isn't just confined to our bubbles, that people are noticing that they need to be responsible for Mm. themselves and take on that onus to to do the research themselves, to check the labels, to know what to avoid and what not to avoid, to, um, you know, to, to, and, and speak up that way because, you know, not everybody has the ability to contact people who are in states of power, but everybody has the ability to choose with their dollar and to choose what they are consuming. It's true. And And that's how we make the change. That's, I feel like it has to be grassroots, truly grassroots. And I don't mean, you know, um, we have a lot of multi-level marketing companies getting into this and the market is growing and it's good because it raises awareness. But um, at the same time, um, it's my preference to keep it grassroots, local if possible, small, um, just support small business. Cause I do think we, we um, with every dollar we spend, we kind of make a choice to change like the, the kind of you speak with your dollar, you know? Yeah. Um, it's every time you spend a dollar, it's a choice and it, 100%. it can, you know, it can affect change. It really can. Yeah. So, and then not everybody has the time to do all this research. So I think if there's some trusted sites, you know, I do, I do defer to the EWG, mm-hmm. although um, EWG, the environmental working group, I'm sure you're familiar, I'm sure, but um, yeah. you know, they're kind of like the biggest um, advocacy group that pushes for safe products and they have um, a good database of safe products that EWG approved. Um, and even there, I mean, they've gotten in some trouble with the IRS over their non, their tax exempt nonprofit status. So there's always, you know, when something grows to that size and then now their president is making millions of dollars, it, it, it just makes me question what's going on. Yeah. And you know, I'm not certainly not making any allegations that there's anything, you know, shady happening but it's just my preference personally to keep um this movement this education this awareness this empowerment um entrusted to small business people who have done the research you know i don't know i feel like that's where uh, there's a lot of people in my area i live in you know just south of boston in massachusetts um you know there's so many um, people in my area, small businesses that are just doing wonderful things with food, with products, with, you know, candles, with lotions. So, you know, it's just, and it's wonderful to see. And I feel like that's how we affect change is just supporting those kind of businesses, um, you know, to get EWG certified, just to even start the process, um, costs quite a bit of money. Yeah. And then you have to, you know, jump through a bunch of hoops and it's not that we're afraid of regulation. Um, you know, I do, I have had my, my cannabis salve lab tested. That's you have to, to be able to sell it. But you know, I, anybody who would like to lab test anything that we make, it's obviously welcome to, but um, just like to have a, a, a list of safe companies, like safe go-to companies that haven't paid to have somebody, um, you know, you haven't paid for your, your safety reading. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, but it is hard to regulate such a business because then of course you could have people, you know, I see people selling organic products that have fragrance in them and I'm like, Mm no, (laughs) definitely not. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's kind of, um, I got to be careful what I ask for. (laughs) I do want, I want accountability, but I'm just not sure, um, where that will come from. 
when totally. I figure it out, I will let you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is why, you know, I, I love to bring people on such as yourself to really bring to light the, these, these topics and awareness for people to be able to begin to do that that research and that understanding for themselves so that they don't have to rely on some larger organization that may or may not be corrupted to tell them what to buy. Um, so all that started yeah. off with all that started off with the talk about fragrance and re- removing that um, from the products. You're there I went. Yep. Consuming, <laughs> right? Um, right yeah. So yeah. instead, because I, mean, I, I myself do love like a scented lotion or like like I said, I mean, I I love the the. the rewind balm and that smells amazing. So what, what are, what can people look for instead that is okay? Is it the essential oil label? Is it uh, essential oil? Yeah. Okay. So if, um, I, I don't know of any fragrance, if it says fragrance, um, that is definitely a blanket term. Like I said, it could be over 3000 different chemicals, most of which have found to be, um, either neurotoxin endocrine disruptors carcinogens you know cnn just broke a story last week about um fragrance and laundry detergents um being directly linked to cancer so you know and i'm i'm a science person i'm not chemophobic i know that just because something says chemical doesn't mean it's automatically um a a bad thing you know we are surrounded by chemicals our blood is chemical we need (laughs) chemicals and um but i just think that um, you know, around the 1950s, post-World War II, we had a surplus of um, chemicals that the you know chemist- chemical industry had created and synthesized to help with the war effort. And now they have this surplus and what were they going to do with them? And that's how they kind of ended up in a lot of the products. So in the 1950s, the biggest push was better living through chemistry um, without the pause to interpret how that's going to affect human health. So I think that's, that was maybe the start of how we got to where we are now with, um, you know, so many people who are, you know, just allergic to everything, you know, growing up, I'm older than you, but when I was growing up, not not a kid had a food allergy. Now, you know, each in, I might have 20 kids in the room and half of them are allergic to something. Yeah. Um, and deadly allergies and anaphylactic shock. And it's, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's, it's insane. And so I think we have to look at what has changed between 1950 and now, um, you know, what's, what's different in the food that we eat, the products that we use, um, asthma, allergies, autoimmune, I mean, autoimmune is ridiculous right now. So what has changed? And I think the biggest thing that's changed is the amount of products that we use um, on our bodies and our food to clean our homes. And everybody scents everything now. You know, this um, in my school district, I'm trying to get them to remove um, Glade, not Glade plugins, but just um, different um, products that are like strongly fragranced because yeah. we have kids who have had asthmatic asthma attacks from it. Um, Myself personally, I get almost an instant headache from anything like that. Even if a kid has um, clothes on that have a really heavily scented laundry detergent that they've been washed in, that affects people with um, chemical sensitivities. But, and it's not even a chemical sensitivity. Once you detox from all that stuff, your body just restores its natural biological ability to detect disease, you know, causing ingredients. So I wouldn't even call that an allergy. It's just, you know, once you detox your home from fragrances, 
And then you come in contact with something that just like, you know, hits you like a wall of scent. Um, you immediately react to it. Totally. So, it's like, it's like, it's like desensitizing yourself to fake sugars in food, your taste buds yes. when you eliminate it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I'm struggling with right now. Well, I wouldn't say struggling with, but I'm, I'm shifting to, um, you know, eating, uh, my lifestyle as far as the foods that I eat, We've, yeah. you know, long since been organic, um, only organic meats, fruits, vegetables for the most part. Um, but, um, we're really starting to think about sugar and how much stuff sugar is in. Insane. So, and yeah, like what you said about that, once your body detoxes from it, yeah, well, then you start to react. Um, on the topic of the label so, or organic. So that's something that when we say read the label, we're not just saying look out for the names like all natural organic or like, you know, you have to actually look on the back because those labels can be deceptive and just pure marketing. Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I got on my tangent about fragrance, but that's because that is the number one ingredient that you'll see as like the offender, so to speak on uh, something that's labeled natural, but then it has fragrance in it and that's, um, not natural. So what, if you do like scented things, um, essential oils are an amazing way to get the scent that you want. Um, so almost any scent that you would have in like, you know, the typical commercial mall kind of lotions, you can create with essential oils. Um, I do a lot of, so for my business end of it, for the body butter, it, that is very universal. It's unisex. I don't send it. And people have asked, will you make different varieties of it? Will you use different, different um, oils? And I certainly could do that, you know, for my family and friends, I've made small batches with a little of this, little of that, but, um, you know, for um, my public sales, I haven't. And that is just, um, you know, one of the best pieces of business advice I got was just focus on what's working. And, yeah. you know, you try to, I make all my own products. So it's like, should I sell this? Should I sell that? Should I, what do I want to include in my, my offerings? Um, and so one of the things I just kind of kept pure right for right now is the body butter. And maybe I will someday make the different varieties of it, but, mm-hmm. um, I just focus on being very, you know, universal unisex free of all any kind of, I don't complicate it, <laughs> but I, you know, um, and then maybe someday in the future, I would do that. But if you do love scents, um, there are definitely so many different essential oils you can pick from, but there are some scents that you just can't get. I mean, as a child of the eighties and nineties, I grew up getting the, um, the Bonnie Bell lip smackers for Christmas every year. And they were like, grape and strawberry crush and all these like fun flavors. And I didn't know, but I loved them. Um, but you can, there's no organic essential oil that, that has that strawberry scent. And I I guess that's one that I can honestly say, I I really do like that. Um, but that's not something that you can get organically. So, um, you know, in my, my lip balm rehab, I just do a little bit of spearmint essential oil. Um, and that's really nice. It's mint, it's subtle. Um, and again, you know, unisex, (laughs) you know, you could put it on the baby people use body butter, not body butter. I'm sorry. The lip balm rehab. Um, she just (laughs) told me that she, didn't have any uh, lotion with her. So she put the lip balm rehab on the baby's face around his mouth. It was all like just, you know, raw from drool and food, things that babies do. And she said the lip balm took care of it. (laughs) That it was cute. 
Aww, so it's just so something it's not something you could use on the baby you can use on grandparents the kids your husband yeah. everybody you know just that, and that's kind of the goal so take you know get rid of a clutter yeah amazing yeah getting not even just like getting cleaner on the ingredients themselves but yeah cutting back on the amount of products that you're using and find things that are that are um, multi-purpose is definitely something that I've been working on as well um oh gosh yeah what are, what are some of the other things that we should be looking out for earlier? I think you touched on, um, preservatives like parabens and phthalates, right? Mm, um, yes. what are some of the other big offenders? Other big offenders are formaldehyde is in a lot of, uh, makeup, especially, uh, eye, eye makeup, eye mascara, things like hair products, nail polish. So formaldehyde is a known carcinogen but it does give a product a better shelf life. So a lot of the lotions that you purchase commercially have a shelf life of, you know, <laughs> it doesn't even have an expiration date. It could be 10 years. Um, but it does a lot of oftentimes contain uh, formaldehyde. Parabens are also um, typically used as a preservative. They do increase shelf life, but they're endocrine disruptors. They're hormone mimickers. Um, and they come under a couple of different names. They have... Um, Ethyl parabens, methyl parabens. If you see something multi-syllable parabens, it's yeah. parabens. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just, it's a synthetic. Um, and that's um, one of the biggest offenders that I see. But, you know, parabens have been banned. I think, uh, I don't know if you have them where you live, but here we have a lot of CVS pharmacies, you know, and they have banned products with parabens. Uh, publicly, I've seen that statement, but I know at my CVS, they still do stock many many products that I was gonna say that sounds like a really drastic thing Um, that I would have known about if CVS banned parabens because I think that's like half the store I it is oh no it definitely is and not just in products that we use on our skin hair but also you know toothpaste and and um medication you know over-the-counter kind of pain relievers yeah. So sodium lauryl sulfate's a big one that you'll see in pretty much any kind of soap, shampoo. Um, that's a skin irritant. Sodium, it's not the worst offender, but for an organic or natural product, some people will use it to preserve. It causes, um, it makes everything foam. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a soap or a shampoo, even toothpaste, yeah, usually will have that in it. Yeah. And it's a skin irritant. So one of the lotions that um, my dog, my son's doctor, back when he was a baby, told me to use for his eczema had one of the first ingredients was sodium lauryl sulfate and it made it worse. I mean, no wonder it made it worse. So those are the kind of lotions um, when you first put it on, you know, what a, a kind of a drugstore lotion, you put it on and at first it sinks in and it feels kind of nice and you're like, okay, but then an hour later you need more. So a good product will sort of be opposite. I always tell people when you first put on like, I don't know, like body butter or something, it's a little oily at first. Let it sink in, give it two minutes, rub it in, and you're going to feel it. And it's going to, you know, once or twice a day is all you need. And that's how you know it's a good product. It doesn't have any of those things in it. Um, and there are other ones that, you know, um, cut out those ingredients and do the same things. Um, try closing, you'll see in a lot of things. That is, again, carcinogen. So carcinogens are cancer causing endocrine disruption and you'll see triclosan and a lot of antibacterial products antibacterial soaps uh, sanitizers and things like that mm. any of the dyes if you see like fd and c red number six blue number yep. whatever here in america we have we allow oh gosh i think it's 
hundreds, if not thousands of ingredients that are banned in most other, um, most um, European countries um, in Canada as well. So, but we allow them in our products. So a lot of the products, food, skincare, um, products that are produced here, they have to formulate differently if they're going to sell it overseas. So that speaks to um, an, uh, a huge, I think, um, systematic problem that we have with our regulatory agencies. So if that doesn't, if that doesn't clearly, st- you know, kind of illustrate the problem, I don't know what does. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting to know. And I wonder how those other countries may have come up against any issues like we were talking about before with having the regulation in place, if it's actually done harm or if it's, if it's creating good and if it's creating good, how have they not let it, you know, create the harm that we were talking about could potentially happen. Um, So that's an interesting thing to look into. Yeah, I would love to see um, some empirical studies from, uh, you know, just some that public health impact of banning those kind of chemicals. Yeah. Um, I know that um, just anecdotally, I couldn't necessarily quantify this, but just friends I've spoken to um, who have celiac disease or gluten intolerance. I know there, you know, can be two different things. Um, one of my sisters, one of them is a true, who's true celiac disease. Um, so a lot of people say when they go to Italy, they can eat the pizza and pasta in Italy, but they can't eat American grown. Yep. And one of the theories is that the wheat that they grow in um, in Italy, that they use mm-hmm. to produce these foods is a natural, not modified kind of wheat that almost if we looked at it, it would look like a scrawny little sort of much smaller in size. Um and I can't, I'm, I don't really, couldn't speak to how it's grown differently, but um, I imagine it has to do with like um, growth hormones, steroids, you know, stuff that we put on our food to genetically modify it to grow bigger, faster, larger. Um, and that's really the glyphosate. There was, a, you know, that, that whole, um, there was a lot of glyphosate's been in the news in the past year, kind of a lot. Um, yeah. as an agricultural chemical. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, that's like a whole other tangent in and of itself. I mean, whenever yeah, I, I that's was just, not I really was my just area of expertise, up. but certainly an area that I kind of keep an eye on, you know? Sure, sure, but, sure. Yeah, I mean, I was in Europe for the past, you know, five or six months of, of this summer, and um, I definitely, yeah, it was amazing, and I definitely indulge in all the things that I typically try to avoid when I'm here in America, just because, you know, the there's, there's just no need to put in all this processed crap into, Mm-mm. into what they do in Europe. You know, they, they make the pizza, they make the pasta and like, that's what it is. And like, you don't, have, it's not like you, you don't even have to be particularly mindful of what could potentially be in it because it's just not even on their radar really. Um, which is just so refreshing and such a load off to not have to consciously be thinking about what could possibly be harmful that's in my food. Like that's just one more thing that we have to think yeah. about constantly. And it's, it's awful. Um, but even, and I wonder if they must have their own version of the FDA over there. And I just wonder yeah. um, how much different it is than um, our regulatory agencies and smaller countries. I'm sure it's a smaller um, industry in general and a much smaller industry to to have to regulate so yeah. it could just be the sheer size of a country with yeah. you know 600 million people how are they gonna regulate all of us i don't know it's yeah that might be a problem that's beyond our like our ability to actually imagine how deep the the corruption might go mm. but if you follow 
all the money. There's, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of um, hard evidence um, from really credible sources that there is corruption. There is um, you know, there's some, some ethics violations, we could say. But, you know, we just, I would try to change that with, um, you know, educating people, empowering people to make changes. And one other thing that I love about this movement is that it's led almost entirely by women, which I think is just kind of phenomenal in general. Um, because, you know, it, it was really um, what the public, the senators who were in charge of trying to change the laws are both women. But also, too, it's more women who are making um, choices with how they spend their money and what they want to use in their homes and their children and families. That's still overwhelmingly, um, you know, uh, what, what women and families purchase those kind of items. Yeah. Um, so not only are we the ones starting the companies and raising awareness and empowering each other, but um, there are also, you know, people just making choices with how they spend their money. So yeah. I mean, with that, it really affects change. And um, as a mother of three sons, it's not a <laughs> boys are better than girls kind of a thing. But I, but it is kind of um, empowering to see so many women just educating themselves and the people around them, too. And I think it's just wonderful. Agreed. I totally yeah. agree. Um, I think it's totally inspiring and really exciting to see that more and more women are feeling that this is something that they can do and that they don't need, you know, permission from anybody to, to take part in that. Yeah. Yeah. Women in science too, because that's really who's um, leading this charge. You know, I always use the hashtag STEMinist. I didn't invent it, but it's something <laughs> that I love because I mean, I teach science and engineering. Um, I do biology and engineering and, um, uh, it's wonderful to see so many of my girls and now that I've been teaching for 10 years, there's such an increase in women going into the field. Um, you know, my son is a chemical engineering student at Worcester Polytech in, um, out in Worcester, Massachusetts. So um, his class, he's a junior in college, was the first year that they ever had um, a breakdown of almost 50-50 women versus men. Because right now only 20% of engineers are females, but that's up from like 0% 50 years ago. Yeah. So we're definitely, it's wonderful because what I think they just bring so much to the table because engineers really are the people who, who would affect change. They're the ones that we don't really think about the jobs that they do, but they're really actually very much behind the scenes creating everything that we use, um, you know, products like what we use in our skin and our homes included. Yeah. So his class is the first class at WPI where it's been almost 50% women. And um, I think it's just, you'll see that shift and you're going to see that change so much in the next, you know, years to come, decades to come, and hopefully in the very near future. Yeah. Uh, I, I come from personally a family of engineers. Um, my, my father, my sister, my brother, my uncles, um, my grandfather. Yeah. Everybody's in the engineering world, um, from systems engineering to mechanical engineering. And, um, so I've been, I've been very much raised in that environment to experiment, to tinker, to learn to do something differently, to think outside the box. And, um, I think it's inspiring that there are more and more women that are in that space and doing things such as yourself. Um, so what are some easy, simple ways that people can start to shift their 
home care and self-care routines to be more non-toxic aside from looking what we've talked about already. So looking at more um, small businesses in their area, people who are really in it and doing the work themselves. Um, is there a way that people can go about this without overhauling their entire routines? Can, you know, things that um, maybe tips that you have for when they go to a, a popular store like a CVS or something that they can mm. easily find something that's not going to be harmful? Yeah, I would say know your labels. The EWG has a list, they call it the dirty dozen. So it, yep. And every year they update it. And they're like the top 12 things that you look out for. And they're like the ones that we already mentioned. There's a couple of other things too. Um, you know, BPA, PEG, BHA, and all these different chemicals. So I would um, consult their list is always um, a good starting point. The EWG is a wonderful resource um, for things like that. Um, and I would say, you know, just know, you don't have to know every single ingredient don't feel like you have to do everything all at once because none of us can do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for my process with my family, detoxing took us the better part of a decade. And a lot of it was not even because we wanted very much to change, you know, I, before I even knew about all what all these ingredients were doing, it was more of a, uh, hey, we have a family of six and we're going through a bottle of laundry detergent every hour. So I'm going to make my own because it's cheaper. <laughs> so sometimes it's just about finding solutions. And all your cleaners, I would say you can make them literally all yourself for pennies on the dollar. You know, I share recipes on my website all the time. I have a whole blog about how to make everything, every oh, cleaner that you can make. Super simple. And so, um, and we did lab test our cleaners too. Where did we lab test them? My eighth grade biology students, we took um, bacterial swabs from um, all around the school, the bathroom, the cafeteria, grew all this bacteria in these great little Petri dishes. And we tested a whole bunch of commercial cleaners versus some homemade formulas that uh, my students and I came up with. And what we found overwhelmingly is that the uh, the homemade cleaners, which are mostly vinegar-based or peroxide-based, were just as effective, if not more effective, than the commercial counterparts without any of the junky ingredients. So first thing I would say, the easiest thing to do is to overhaul your cleaning products. And that alone is going to get rid of a huge percentage of um, toxins, fragrances, colors, dyes. And don't forget, too, anything that you spray on your surfaces, whether it's your bathroom, kitchen, um, laundry, all that stuff lingers. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's your all materials porous. It's not going to just sit on the surface. You wipe it away. It's in the, you know, the um, pores of the material and it's going to be there in your clothes or on your skin all day, you know? So things to think about if it's, smells like, you know, some of the really strongly scented laundry detergents that smells like that all day, that smell is, um, you know, most likely um, carcinogenic, first of all, um, endocrine disruption, hormone disruption, you name it. It's going to have that stuff go it's on your skin. Anything on your skin is going to go right into your bloodstream. Sometimes it's a little in seconds. Yeah. So, you know, make sure you know that your, your skin is an organ. Your skin does absorb everything that comes in contact with. Yeah. Um, so cleaners are a big one that you can get rid of super cheap and super easy. Um, and you can have fun with that too. You can buy like really cool glass bottles on, you know, local stores and Amazon or whatever to mix your stuff, label it. Um, and it's really kind of fun. It was, you know, that's to me started out as kind of a hobby, but also a necessity because 
just having so many people in my house, um, we needed to find more <laughs> cost-effective ways to get the jobs done. Yeah. You know, and, you know, an all-purpose cleaner, you can clean pretty much anything with it. I mean, I clean our, t- our tub, tile, shower, floors, you know, you name it. You don't need anything harsh. Vinegar is a pretty strong acid. It's going to kill. It's going to break down like the walls of most uh, bacteria, fungus, even vir- viruses. Um, use a couple of drops of oregano oil, oregano essential oil. Mm-hmm. That is a powerhouse. Oregano essential oil has is the only one that I know of that has all three antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral um, properties. So add a little bit of that and some lemon to um, a bottle with like, you know, 25% vinegar, 75% water, and it smells great. It works great. And it's just you know, change the way you think around the smell of bleach. Like to me, that was never a clean smell. It was always a headachey smell. But one of the things I always hear from people about cleaners and things like that is, oh, it just smells so clean. You know, that like whatever commercial product that people are using. Um, To me, when I smell that stuff now, you know, once we detox, once we kind of mind shift around it, is that stuff now smells toxic. When I smell vinegar now, it's like, hmm, clean. (laughs) So it's kind of, it gives me that kind of a... um, a reaction, but you know, and I do changing the way we think around it. And the smells don't linger. If you use vinegar to clean, your whole house isn't going to smell like a potato chip. You know, it, it uh, dissipates pretty quickly. So sure, yeah. I would say cleaners, and you know, as far as stuff you use in your skin, just if you wouldn't eat it, I would don't put it on your skin because it's going to. At least if you eat something toxic, at least you have some really strong stomach acid that's going to help break down and digest it. If it goes into your skin, it's right into your bloodstream. Yeah. You know, you don't have the digestive process to kind of serve as a um, filtration system. It's going to go right into your bloodstream as is. Yeah. So that's Which something I to be very aware like of. So mind blowing to me is that like, I think it's so easy for us to think like, oh, like I'm not putting it in my mouth. So going on my skin, yeah, I may absorb some of it, but like, it can't be that bad. Right. But when you think about it, like hormone replacement therapy those are all like creams. Like that's what people are using to, you know, uh, older women and like menopause or whatever, who have to balance things out. Like even if it's done naturally, like it's, it, they're using creams, like they're not oral um, medications for that. And it's just like, that's proof in and of itself that whatever you put on your skin, your body is full on absorbing quickly. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the largest organ and it is a functioning organ that's constantly like, like all your other organs, you know, replenishing the cells and tissue constantly. Yeah. So we need to give it those, you know, that, that skin food, those good ingredients that, um, that it needs to be healthy. I mean, my skin now at 43 looks better than it did when I was, you know, in my younger thirties, just because now I just knowing what I know about ingredients and using stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and that's uh, the whole thing too. It's like, it's it helps my skin look healthier and younger. Yeah. It's natural. It's, it's natural aging. It's not anti-aging. It's helping you to age naturally and not. Yeah. Faster. Can you see my problem with the name of yes. anti-aging? I kind of totally. don't want it. Totally. Put shame in that game because no. we're all getting, you know, we're all getting. I think there, but. it's funny. I think it's like a term. It's like, it's such a catchy term that I feel like the industry created because it, it's the same industry that's creating the products that are aging you faster in the first place. So exactly. it's their way. It's their way of just pumping more money into the system, just by just, convincing us we need products like yeah. that. Because you know, deodorant is like one of those things that 
you know, we managed some the industry managed to convince us that is an absolute necessity. When most people, unless you're doing some really intense exercise, you don't need these chemical filled deodorants. You just, you know, just take a shower. You're good. You yeah. don't need like all day, every day to wear deodorant. Right. Um, as long as you're a clean person and, and you commit, you know, manage to, you know, bathe regularly, that's good. You're good. Yeah. So that's another example of, you know, people, and that was, straight advertising, you know, all of us think we're immune to advertising, which is one of the things that actually makes advertising work is that we all kind of think, you know, we think for ourselves and we form our own opinions, but all this advertising that we're inundated with is impact. It's, you know, the multi-million dollars is spent on marketing every year and that's because it works. (laughs) So they know what they're doing. It's subconscious programming. It gets at you. You can't avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Well, Jill, thank you so much for coming on. I think this was really, really insightful um, for so many people and empowering, of course, you know, with what you're doing and just showing people that, you know, they can become the creators of their own health and they don't need to rely on their doctors and physicians and things like that, which of course are, are, are very important in society, but so much of it is just lifestyle choices that you have the full power to make yourself. Um, so thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, and I love those places where you know conventional medicine meets modern. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was nice to talk to you. Yeah, you too. That's it for today's show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, leave a review, share it with friends. I so appreciate any and all support. And don't forget to check out the show notes for everything we talked about today. Check out Miss Fresh Organics on Instagram, her website. Um, Highly recommend all of her products, of course. And I will see you guys on the next episode. As always, wherever you are, be there fully. Take care and talk soon. 